Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's a special market view focus on ETFs today. Have ETFs been affected by demand for crypto and meme stocks, or are millennials driving demand in a really healthy way? Just how are investors selecting and utilizing ETFs in their portfolios? Salim Ramji leads the ETF and index investments business for BlackRock. He is the global head of iShares and index investments. Salim, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Good morning, and it's great to be here. Welcome. What is the current state of the ETF industry globally? And perhaps you can give us a perspective of how ETFs are doing here in APEC as well. Sure. So, look, it's been an extraordinary year for ETFs, uh, and it really caps a pretty extraordinary run over the past uh, many years. So, you know, uh, global ETFs surpassed uh, $10 trillion at the end of 2021. Um, And for iShares, we passed over $3 trillion uh, last year. And to give you a bit of context, it took us 15 years to get to the first trillion, five years to get to the second, and two years to get to the third trillion of clients' assets. And so what you're really starting to see, not just for us, but all around the world, uh, investors turning more and more to ETFs as their default investment vehicle. And, uh, you know, I'm particularly proud of of the traction that's been gained uh, in APAC within the region, uh, where last year we crossed something like $52 billion of client assets, which was 30% more growth than just the year before. So I I really think that, you know, Asia Pacific in particular is on the cusp of something very significant in terms of ETF growth uh, across many different countries and across the region. And what's driving the increased adoption of ETFs in APEC? So you have, of the three biggest ETF markets in the world, two of them, Japan and China, are already based in the region. And uh, what we've seen, and it's, it's true in markets all over the world, uh, the U.S. is obviously the biggest one and the, the most established ETF market, is that when you've got things like fee-based wealth management taking off, like it has in the U.S., or you have commission-free um, trading on self-directed platforms like we've seen in Europe, uh, as well as we've seen in the United States, Uh, or when you have institutions, and this has really been the story of some of the countries in the region like Japan and China, but institutions really adopting ETFs in large scale, like what we've seen in fixed income. Those are some of the circumstances that we've seen that have really ushered in significant growth for ETFs. But, But really, anywhere in the world where you have greater transparency, You have a regulatory playing field that is level, whether that's because commissions have come off or whether it's because of fiduciary fee-based wealth management, or you've got a generation of investors that are really drawn to the convenience of an ETF, we see growth. And even though the size of the uh, Asia-Pacific ETF market is less than Europe or is less than the United States, that a lot of the circumstances I talked about means that we expect growth to be really, really good over the course of the next five years and over the course of the next 10 years within the region. In terms of drivers, are you seeing thematic ETFs position in portfolios increasing? And what sort of strategies are generating the most interest? Yeah, so thematic ETFs uh, have really taken hold all across the world, but particularly in Asia. Uh, that's one of the areas that we're seeing demand. And I think what's really exciting is that it's stretching the boundaries of what an ETF can do. You know, the first ETFs tracked broad-based indices like S&P 500 or or something like that. But thematic ETFs, which are really tracking a much more concentrated set of themes, themes like clean energy, for example, 
have been incredibly successful in the past couple of years because they allow investors to go after a particular theme, be it clean energy or technology in emerging markets or even very specific technology themes like robotics. And what that allows the ETF to do is start to look at many different sources of return, not just broad-based indices, but often very concentrated themes like clean energy or emerging markets tech or robotics or any variant of different themes that can meet investor demand uh, and where we think they're good long-term growth opportunities. What would you say are the benefits of index investing for investors? Well, index investing last year turned 50 years old, so it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, the things that have really drove the growth all across the world are, are three or four things. You know, one is just making it much more accessible for people to invest. Um, so within BlackRock, our index investing and ETF serves the needs of about 120 million people all across the world. And that's really access um, being brought to life in the assets of those 120 million people. It's certainly affordable uh, and affordability has, you know, since the very beginning, uh, always been a, a hallmark of index investing. But I think one of the extra things that has been more true in the past few years, certainly wasn't true many years ago, was customization. And so we've got something like 1,200 ETFs all across the world. And what it allows investors to do is almost assemble their own playlists, being able to create their own different portfolio using uh, any range of thematic ETFs or fixed income ETFs or broad-based indices. And so those aspects around creating investor access, around creating affordability uh, have been true for a long time. But some of the aspects like customization have really been true more recently, but has really been a big driver of growth uh, because it allows investors to start to pick and choose how they create their portfolios. And is customization a clear trend when it comes to millennials investing in ETFs? It's a great point. And I think customization is certainly part of it because it offers choice mm -hmm. uh, and it allows a new investor to invest in something like clean energy, if that's what they're really interested in, um, or invest in a whole range of ESG-oriented ETFs. Uh, and that's been particularly attractive for uh, millennial investors, whether they be in Asia Pacific or in Europe or here in the United States. But I think the biggest thing that's really been attractive to millennial investors has been the growth of self-directed platforms all over the world and then commission-free self-directed platforms all over the world. And so one of the really interesting things that we saw, particularly during the pandemic period, is something like 40 million investors, most of them millennials, opened up investment accounts through these self-directed platforms for the first time. And what's particularly exciting for us is that more and more of those investors are choosing ETFs as their default investment vehicles. What kind of growth potential do you then see for the ETF market here in APEC? And are millennials going to be key drivers of that growth? So if you look at the ETFs as a percentage of the total equity markets in APEC, for example, uh, it's about 4%. Um, whereas you, if you look at markets like Europe or the United States, it's something like 9 to 10%. So even if you just look at the aggregate level of penetration, um, APAC is about half the levels of Europe and the United States, and the current APAC ETF market stands at about a trillion dollars. So we think there's another, at least another trillion dollars of growth uh, to be had in APAC, plus obviously how the market itself grows over time. Millennials are certainly going to be a big part of that, uh, especially as self-directed platforms across the region. Um, begin to take off and expand like they have in Europe and like they have in the United States. 
but also importantly uh, will be areas like fixed income and fixed income ETFs. You know, for example, we've built a hub around fixed income and fixed income ETFs uh, in Singapore, uh, and we've had ETFs in Singapore, you know, for the better part of the past decade. But when you look all across the world, whether it's in Singapore or in other countries, fixed income ETFs have really been an important area of adoption because they're offering um, not just millennial investors, but central banks, insurance companies, other active asset managers, uh, access to the bond market in a much cheaper way than buying the individual bonds, and also in a much more transparent way, and often uh, with better price or better price discovery than investors could get in the bond market itself. So I think millennials are certainly a big part of the growth story, as you suggest, but equally certain aspects like fixed income, ETFs, where Singapore's played a really important, um, I'd say, foundational role in that marketplace could be a really important area for uh, the next trillion dollars in Asia-Pacific ETFs. Can you help us understand the sort of trends that are shaping up for 2022? Is it ESG tailwinds, investors looking to add ESG investments to their portfolios, digital assets, uh, active strategies? What do you see as trends shaping up for this year? So certainly ESG, it was a trend last year, it was a trend the year before, and I think it's going to persist for this year and for many years to come. I mean, even just to give you a little bit of context, you know, at the beginning of 2020, we had really a 20th of the asset levels than we do today. So we've got over $156 billion of ETFs today, um, which is 20 times the amount that we had just a few years ago. And so that just gives you a sense of the scale of the growth. We have something like 180 different ETF sustainable ETF mm-hmm. options available. And you take the combination of that scale and choice, and what it's enabling investors to do is to be able to build more sustainable portfolios in the way that they want to build it, because it's giving them the choice and the tools to do that. And so we see demand, certainly in APAC, but all across the world for sustainable ETFs. And I think the second area you'd already mentioned, which is really about thematic ETFs, And whether it's in some of the categories I talked about before, like emerging market technology or clean energy or, you know, areas like robotics, those have been areas that we've seen growth and demand and a desire from investors to really be able to package up certain themes, but be able to do it in a transparent, affordable and and very convenient way, which the ETF can provide. Great speaking with you, Salim. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks a lot, Michelle. He's Salim Ramji, Global Head of iShares and Index Investments at BlackRock. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.